Hi, welcome back to another episode of You the Mother podcast by Abby Williams, a space dedicated to supporting, empowering, and connecting all parents in all seasons of parenthood. You can find more supportive content over on Instagram at youthemother, and be sure to check out youthemother.com where you can reach out to work with me one-on-one or sign up for my group coaching. This Mother's Day, I am opening the Estranged Mother's Day. This is for those of us who are navigating estrangement or just difficult relationships with your mother during Mother's Day. Mother's Day can be a really complicated and hard holiday for many of us. And in this group, you will find healing, community, and support. And we will be sitting together for 90 minutes. So grab your cozy blanket, your drink of choice, and come join us in a judgment-free zone where you will gain perspective shifts and so much insight. I hope to see some of you there. And in today's episode, I'm welcoming on Sarah Olsher. Sarah is the founder and CEO of family mental health and wellness company, Mighty and Bright, and the author of 10 picture books for kids coping with divorce, cancer, change, and big feelings. As a single parent and cancer survivor, Sarah has seen firsthand that the universe can deal some pretty harsh blows. Her company, Mighty and Bright, provides tools meant to help overwhelmed parents prioritize mental health for their kids, learning together and incorporating coping skills into day-to-day life. In today's episode, we talk all about navigating hard conversations with our kids. Sarah provides amazing insight into how to talk to our kids about cancer diagnoses, divorce, changes, moves, and so much more. Sarah provides amazing insight into how to empower your children and provide a safe space for them to just land. You can find Sarah over on Instagram at Mighty and Bright Co., She's also on TikTok at Mighty and Bright Co. And you can find her on her website, mightyandbright.com. She has some amazing products, including her books, and so many tools to support kids' mental health and some of these changes that we talk about in today's episode. I hope that you enjoy today's episode. And if you do, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Your support here on the podcast always means the world to me, and I so appreciate you being here. So let's get started in supporting you, the mother. Sarah, welcome to You, the Mother podcast. I am so excited that you are here joining us today because navigating difficult conversations with our little ones can be hard, but I think it's really important. So I'm excited to pick your brain about this topic and have this conversation. But first, tell me, listeners, a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah. So unfortunately for me, this is a very intimate. (laughs) I know this intimately. Um, My daughter was almost two when I went through a divorce. And so I had to figure out how to help a toddler through that. And then when she was six, I was diagnosed with cancer. So it has been quite a decade and I have uh, really, I've basically built my entire life around um, how to talk to kids about difficult things, about helping with, you know, building positive mental health skills. I started a business that is all about structure, visual structure, and I've written 10 children's books. So 
this is really, when I say I built my life around this, I am not kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You have been busy, Sarah. Indeed. Indeed. You have been busy. So let's kind of talk about, I guess, what are some of the important things? Like, why should we be having some of these important conversations, hard conversations with our kids instead of maybe shielding them from scary things that are going on or you know are there some age appropriate ways that we should be having these conversations like where do we even begin yeah totally so I think it depends on the situation what how willing parents seem to be to have hard conversations like if it's something like divorce where literally the two parents are not living in the same house you kind of can't avoid that conversation um But, you know, I was diagnosed with cancer when I was 34, and part of my experience was joining all of these support groups because it can be really lonely to be diagnosed with, you know, a really major illness when you're young and especially when you have kids. And so I have met a lot of young people who have cancer, and the number of them who don't want to talk to their kids about it is really very high. And that was part of the reason why I decided to start writing kids books about this is because I realized like this is a conversation nobody wants to have. It feels like there's so much pressure to do it right. And, you know, avoiding it just seems so much easier. Um, But the, the hard part about this is your kids know something is wrong. And, and no matter how, good of a job you think you're doing shielding them from it they like are so perceptive they can sense like the slightest changes in everybody's mood and there is literally no way you can go through something difficult without your kids sensing it on some level and if you don't talk to them about it they are getting the message that it's not okay to talk about and because of the way that kids are and how they just developmentally feel like the whole world revolves around them The story that they tell themselves is that you can't talk about this because they did something wrong. And so your kids end up telling themselves a story that's way worse than the truth is because the truth is it's like never their fault. And so you, the last thing you want is your kids like suffering in silence. And I think there's also a lot of guilt at least from the other people that I've talked to and myself, you know, when something really hard is going on, especially if it's a divorce where you like chose it or you're moving to a new state and you chose it and the kids are really struggling with it. Um, But even something that is happening to you, most adults that have kids seem to feel really guilty. Like cancer is, is something that you chose and you're doing it to your child and you feel terrible that this is what their childhood experience is. But the perspective switch that I would encourage everybody to have is that, yes, (laughs) this sucks. And yes, it's awful that they have to experience this as like young kids, but none of us are going to get out of this life unscathed. Like your kids are going to deal with really hard things in their lives. And by helping them through it when they're young and you're there to hold their hand, you are giving them a gift of learning how to cope. And really, like, when you look at what is going on in this world, like, we have to have these skills. And so as much as it sucks that, you know, something terrible has happened, 
talking to them about it is actually kind of a blessing in disguise in a way. Yeah, that's so, so we have a co-parenting situation with my oldest. Um, where his father and I were never married. We were young parents. But um, when I kind of talk about like this co-parenting stuff, I just think that there is a lot of guilt associated in like co-parenting dynamics, you know. Um, I don't think any of us go into parenthood wanting our child to grow up between two homes. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. think that that's anybody's want. But you know, I just think that as parents, we try so hard to shield them from bad things or to protect them or take, like, take away their hurt. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just the most important thing that we can do is allow space for their, ugh, you know, yeah, so like, I've like well talked, said. yeah, so like I've talked about some of the, um, like my co-parenting stuff where I have a really, really great co-parenting relationship Um, and he really doesn't have a lot of bad things around his co-parenting situation life, but he has come to us and said, like, it really sucks going between two homes. Mm -hmm. And I think that you just honor that and say, yeah, buddy, that does really suck, you know? And like, I didn't grow up like that, so I can't even relate. Um, you know, and I'm sure it does, you know, every couple days you got to like pack up, go to the next house, you know, it's a different set of rules or expectations or just vibe over there than it is here, you know, and I think that we do a really good job of communicating and keeping a lot of things like the same, but it's different. It just is going to be right. And so I'm sure Mm -hmm. that's hard. And just saying like, yeah, that sucks. And just sitting in that with them, I think is so important. So I love that, like, you're kind of acknowledging some of that, that, like, we're not going to get out of this life unscathed. You're going to have hard stuff. You're going to go through scary things or things that just suck, that just are. Um, But I guess, like, where can we start in having some of these conversations, especially for, like, parents who might be going, like, you know, have are going through the process of divorce right now where they're making these decisions. Hey, we're having we're going through divorce or we're going to move across the country away from all your friends, or I have this cancer diagnosis. How do we even bring up some of these conversations? And are there things that we should be mindful of when we are having these conversations? I would say the number one thing before you even get started is to recognize that this is not a one and done conversation. Yes. And I think as parents, so many of us put so much pressure on ourselves to like do it perfectly (laughs) and be like, okay, I have a list of 10 items and we're going to go through each of these items and then everything explodes on item number two. And then you're like, now what? Um, So give yourself grace in that, you know, you don't, like, it's good to be prepared. Yes, it is totally good to be prepared. It's good to know, like, these are the critical things that the kid needs to know. Because first off, like, knowing what actually affects the kid and what is their business is the number one thing when you're going to have this conversation. Like, you're going to want to explain what's happening and then how it affects your child. But so have that ready, but recognize that if you don't get to every point on your list, If the kid melts down and is like, I don't want to talk about this, that's okay. And this should be an ongoing conversation 
there will be things that you forgot that you want to come back and talk to them about. There are things that they're going to have questions about. So the idea is to create an environment where you can talk about this, that they can come back later uh, with any questions. So you want to make sure to get that point across to them too. Like, listen, buddy, we're not going to get all of this, you know, all of your questions answered in this one minute. You might need space. You might need a hug. You might need, you know, whatever your kid's personality is just to create space for them to have whatever reaction that they have and that you are working on controlling your own emotional reaction. Like sometimes people ask me. I think that that's me, the like, most important part. <laughs> right? Yeah. So many people ask me, like, if you could give the you of, you know, 12 years ago advice, like uh, about parenting, what would it be? And it's always learn how to regulate your own emotions because your kids are going to push every freaking button you have and come up with new ones. Um, so yeah, to get yourself into a place where you feel like you can breathe through and sit with whatever their reaction is, um, that will do nothing but serve you. Um, so yeah, I would say, uh, get a list together of what it is that you really feel like that child needs to know before you sit down and really get yourself to an emotional place where you are willing to take whatever it is that they need to dish out because they may have a strong reaction. They may not have a strong reaction. When I told my daughter that I had cancer, what I wanted to do was find a book to help explain it. Um, kids do really, really well with books, especially because they explain something in the same way every time, and that helps kids really absorb and learn it. Um, unfortunately, when, when I was diagnosed and I went to find a book, I mean, I did not like anything that I found. Some of the illustrations were like, this is how you explain surgery? This is terrifying. So uh, that is a different story. Um, but I, I love using visual aids like books. Um, so I, I ended up writing my first book is called What Happens When Someone You Love Has Cancer. Because I wanted to explain the science of cancer, because being honest in an age appropriate way, finding like a way to explain what's going on without going into like too much detail um, is really helpful because kids are really smart and they can understand a lot more than we give them credit for. And so I ended up explaining to her, you know, I started out by saying, has any, have you ever heard the word cancer? Uh, just to understand where her understanding was. Because she was six. You never know what kids are going to hear in public school. And she said, I feel like I've heard that word before, but I don't know what it means. And so then I said, well, cancer is something that happens in your body. And the way that our bodies work is actually really cool. Um, we're, we're made up of these little, they're basically little teeny tiny building blocks, kind of like Legos. But those little building blocks are called cells, and they can make a new cell anytime they want to. And so that's really cool because your body is just constantly building and building and building and never runs out of blocks. But sometimes a broken cell gets made, and that cell is confused. And every cell in our body has a job, but this one doesn't know what its job is. And so all it knows how to do is make more and more cells. 
And that can be confusing to the body and they start to crowd out the cells that are doing their jobs. And so we want to get those cells out because they're making it hard for the body to do its job. And that like clump of cells that are broken is called cancer. And so I started out by that explanation of what it is. And then I said, so this usually happens to older people because the longer we live, the more chance there is for our cells to get broken. And mostly our body is able to get rid of these broken cells, no problem. But in my body, they found some broken cells. And so I have to go to the doctor and they're going to remove the cells. So my first thought, what I was predicting that my daughter was going to do is not what she did. So first she was like, that's cool. And then she said, but that doesn't sound very good. Are you going to die? And I thought, we didn't even get into like that. I'm shocked that that was your reaction. I thought, and, th and then I thought she was going to totally lose it. So I said, you know what? Sometimes people do die from cancer because their body parts don't work anymore because the broken cells are crowding out all of the uh, body parts. And I said, but like I said, I only have like a, a couple of these little broken guys and we're just going to take them out and then it's going to be okay. And she's like, okay. And then she went in the other room and she saw my mom and she's like, mom told me. And my mom said, what did your mom tell you? And she was like, she has something. I don't remember what it's called, but she's going to be fine. And so I thought to myself, well, that was a lot, like that was pretty anticlimactic. Now, as time went on, there were more questions that she had. And I wanted to make sure that I used the actual technical terms. And this is kind of similar to the way that parents will talk about sex, like using actual body parts. Because if I didn't, I, I did later explain to her, you know, I want you to understand that the word that I used was cancer. And I also want you to know that the word cancer can mean a lot of different things. And like, you know, I was telling you, some people do die from cancer and some people have cancer. It's usually something that happens to older people. Other people are going to have a strong reaction when they find out that I have cancer. And I want you to remember that I explain to you what type of cancer I have. So if other people have a strong reaction to it, you need to remember, you can trust me, you can ask me any questions, but they're having a strong reaction because they don't know what type of cancer I have yet. That turned out to be a good thing to say because her second grade teacher who was new to teaching, later said something to her there was a child that had terminal cancer that they were doing some kind of a project for and the teacher said to my daughter are you okay because this kid has the same thing your mom does and my daughter was like actually some people die from cancer but some people don't and my mom is not going to die from cancer and I thought thank god we have this yeah good thing she knew yeah that's really scary. It is. It's six years old, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it really, whether it's divorce, whether it's cancer, explaining what is actually happening. So if it's divorce saying, you know, 
sometimes when grown-ups are in a relationship together, they don't get along very well. And we want everybody to feel, you know, safe and comfortable and not stressed out in their home. And so we've decided that everybody will feel less stressed if we live in two different homes. And what that means is, you know, depending on your situation, XYZ parent is going to get a different apartment and we're going to stay here. And that means you're going to visit them there, you know, explaining what actually is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's really important. And I also, I just like, I loved what you were talking about keeping our emotions in check. And I really mm-hmm. want to like drive that point home because I do think that that is like the most important thing. I love like how you were going through specifically what you were saying and it was just so fact-based and neutral, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. there wasn't really like scary language attached to, and I think that, you know, especially in situations like divorce, like a cancer diagnosis, where you have, you are, to- whatever feelings are coming up for you are completely valid, you know, maybe mm-hmm. you're sad, maybe you're angry, Maybe you're, you know, ragey or this is so unfair or I'm, I hate him. He's ruining my life. (laughs) You know, whatever is going on in that divorce, you know, there's so many feelings and all these big life things that aren't fun and that aren't fun emotions and being able to be in a place where we can check our emotions at the door so that we're not burdening our kids with our emotions that are going on around these events so we can be their safe place and you can go to therapy or your support groups or your friends or your mom or whoever's like your safe people to unload your feelings but it is just so important to be the the person that they're able to come to and talk to about their emotions yeah do you feel like I will say I will say yeah I think that's something that a lot of people really struggle with guilt over yeah yeah and I just want to say, you know, it's okay to mess up. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, and to feel like not, ha- not shame yourself about Absolutely. it. We're Apologizing best human. to yeah. your kids yeah. is like the best thing that you can do because yeah. I mean, the number of times I've gone to my daughter and said, you know, I am having a lot of really strong feelings about this mm-hmm. and I'm really sorry that, you know, I got crabby at you because of this, you know, it wasn't about you. I was feeling overwhelmed and I just want to say I'm sorry by apologizing to your kids. You are modeling to them that no human is perfect and that's good for them because if they see you doing that, you know, and not shaming yourself over it, then they grow up with the permission to not be perfect either. So I just, I, I always just be gentle with yourself, do your very, very best and then be gentle with yourself. Oh, Sarah, that's like exactly what I say to all of my people, (laughs) right? Like compassion, compassion, compassion. You are Mm -hmm. going to mess up. It's not if you mess up, you are absolutely going to mess up. Yes. Um, yeah, we, we're just messy humans and we do have emotions, right? And just Mm -hmm. like figuring out how can I kind of work on some of this like preventative stuff? How am I going to show up and be great or Mm -hmm. not project my emotions where they're taking on responsibility for them? And how am I going to do that repair when I am messy? Because we are just imperfect humans. All of us are. Yeah. True that. Um, so I guess like 
let's kind of go back. I love that you were kind of talking your way through how you told your daughter about your cancer diagnosis Mm -hmm. and some of that. Um, Can you share with us, I guess, some scripts or some things that we could say if we are going to our children and saying, hey, mom and dad are getting a divorce? I know, like, you kind of touched on a little bit of that. Um, And just, I guess, like, how do we navigate that and how do we navigate maybe putting our our children in a place where they feel empowered in a situation that feels maybe yeah. like they're out of control, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really hard. Um, well, first off, I think one of the things that maybe we don't realize is that even if your kids are pre-verbal really young, they actually understand more than you think they do. And so even if your child is too, just to real like cursory say, like we're having some changes you know, mommy and daddy live in the same house right now, but soon daddy will live in a different house and mommy will live in a different house and you're not going to have us together at the same time, you know, for a toddler for, you know, under four explaining things like that. Um, don't, don't just assume that they don't understand what's going on because if you can explain it in a different way and repeatedly say, Oh, daddy sleeps at a different house now. You know, mommy sleeps at a different house now. Um, So don't just skip over it because you think that they're little. Um, The other thing is, just before we get into the conversation, just I think one of the things that we hear a lot from every divorce professional Mm -hmm. is put your kids first. Yeah. But they don't say how you do that. And I think that's really frustrating because then we're left to try and figure out like, what exactly does that mean? Mm -hmm. And kind of figuring it out on our own. And so to Mm -hmm. me, what that means is you try and keep your conflict with your ex out of the conversation around your children. Right. So your relationship with that person has literally nothing to do with your kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Your kids are half you and half the other parent. Even if they're adopted, Mm -hmm. they feel that they are half you and half the other parent. So it's really important to remember that if you say something negative about the other parent, your child internalizes that and feels like you are literally criticizing them. So even as much as that temptation is there, um, if you hate the other person, just don't do it because it is, it will backfire on your child and, and that's not fair to them. Right. The second thing is to try and put yourself in your child's shoes. Mm -hmm. And so before you even have the conversation to say to yourself, like, what is their experience of living in this house? Because that informs how you have this conversation. Do they see conflict? Do they see fighting or did someone have an affair? You had a quiet conversation about it and you decided you weren't going to be together anymore. And this is going to literally come out of left field. So try and, you know, every situation is different. Um, And I, there is no one right way to have the conversation because every situation is so different. 
uh, especially if abuse is involved. Like there's so many different things. So put yourself in your child's position of like, is this going to be shocking to them? And frame the conversation that way, you know, according to what their experience has been. And then the second thing is ongoing. Keep the lines of communication open. Say, I am here to talk to you about anything any questions that you have, I'm here to answer them. And the biggest game changer for my daughter in my divorce was literally showing her on a calendar when she would be with me and when she would be with her dad. And so, yeah, it's, it's so important. So I, my daughter's 12 now. So this was a decade ago. Yeah. Um, Same. Yeah, hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> um, my son's 12 as well. He'll be 13 this and, summer. <laughs> nice. Yeah, same yeah. with my daughter. And so it was, there was nothing out there um, right. at that point to buy, to show your mm-hmm. kids. And uh, so I had taken my daughter to a therapist because I couldn't figure out how to help her with anxiety that she was experiencing. Mm-hmm. And the therapist uh, was trauma-informed. She was fabulous. And she had this construction paper calendar that she was showing us so that because she was going to be on vacation. And she said, you know, kids really don't do well if they miss a therapy appointment without discussing it. And so she had made this month long calendar with stickers. Usually you see me this day. You're not going to see me this day. You're going to see me this day instead. And I'm looking at this thing thinking, if a child is negatively impacted by not mm. seeing their therapist one day in like a weekly session, why am I not showing her on a calendar when she's going to see her dad? And right. so I, that's what I did was I created a co-parenting calendar and that is mm-hmm. how my business mighty and bright was born is this yeah. weekly calendar where kids can see literally see yeah yeah it was it changed because we just had like a calendar like hanging and as like in the kitchen whatever and there would be an m on mom day and a d on dad Mm -hmm. days and he would every day like cross off and like see what day are we on who whose house am i at today i just feel like there was a lot of stress around like they just don't have like the concept of time and mm-hmm. so, like, when he was with me, he was just really missing dad because he didn't know, like, when am I going to see him again? And then when he was with mm-hmm. dad, he was really missing me because he didn't know, like, when he was going to see me again. Yes. And so once he was able to physically see and, like, mark off and be like, okay, mm-hmm. he, he seemed more settled. It wasn't that yes. he preferred one parent over the other. Right. It was just, like, the time it's concept. Stressful. He it's there stressful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And to your point earlier – This is any time of change, everything feels completely out of the child's control. Mm -hmm. Things are happening to them. Mm -hmm. And when you give them that control, that sense of control by having their own calendar that belongs to them, that they can go and mark off, that doesn't have the cat's vet appointment on it, that it's their whole little life, it makes a really big difference in their sense of power and feeling like they have some control over things. And that makes a really big difference just ongoing in their lives. And, you know, it's been 10 years and my daughter still uses this calendar. It's crazy. (laughs) So I love that. um, It's developmental, you know, like they can't Mm -hmm. keep this stuff in their minds. Mm -hmm. And so having it visually laid out, 
is is kind of like a scaffolding basically that mm-hmm. helps them to see the whole building so to speak i think i just mixed up like six analogies but you get me right (laughs) (laughs) i do i do i do yeah 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 so so that's kind of a framework for how you want this to look and the other cool thing is that you know you have this calendar whether it's for general change i have them Mm -hmm. for military families i have them for autistic kids for people who are going through cancer treatment for children who are going through cancer treatment like all the things yeah and that calendar serves as a visual reminder that they can come and talk to you about this subject it is not taboo it is not something that you're going to get mad at them about and so it really you want to create an environment where your kids know that they can come to you and not fear your reaction yeah. So that goes back to kind of managing your own emotions too, so that you can kind of be a container and hold yeah. theirs. Um, you know, you just really want to be open and, mm-hmm. and have them know that you're open. Yeah. And that's kind of like that vulnerability piece, I guess, right? Like the benefits of being vulnerable with them is mm-hmm. that then you're creating a space where they can come and talk to you. Do you feel like there's a fine line between like how much we should be sharing versus what not to share? Like when is vulnerability beneficial? When is it too much? How do we navigate that? Yeah, I think that it it is a, a there is a line mm-hmm. and it is hard to sometimes know where what is their business and what is not their business. Right. But basically anything that has to do with Man, how do you know where that line is? When it comes to divorce, it's basic, it's pretty simple. Like mm-hmm. anything that has to do with your relationship with the other parent is check it out the door. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do not talk to your kids about that. Yeah. Um, and validating their feelings is mm-hmm. really important, but you want to make sure that you're not project projecting your own yeah. thoughts. Like, so yeah, we you know, hate him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. The daddy sucks so yeah. hard, isn't it? You know, but it's like, you know, your kid is coming to you saying, I I don't want to go to dad's. Mm-hmm. And s- instead of saying, yeah, that's because dad's house sucks, huh? I know yeah. it's so hard yeah. saying, yeah, moving houses is hard. Do you want to tell me more about, about that? Kind mm-hmm. of letting them lead mm-hmm. is, it makes it easier to see that line yeah. instead of like saying the things yourself, just saying, can you tell me more about how you're feeling? Um, and kind of letting them lead it makes it easier than trying to figure out what the line is. Yeah, I totally agree. It's hard. (laughs) It is hard, especially when it's something like, you know, I, I hate to keep going back to cancer, but it's such a like nebulous sort of thing where it can be really hard to know what is the kid's business and what is not the kid's business. Yeah. And I think the worries about death, unless your kid brings it up, don't bring it up to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think <laughs> when I was diagnosed, this is a good example of how not to do things. Mm-hmm. So when I was diagnosed, I was by myself with this radiologist who had done like a biopsy on me. And he was like, I said, you know, how do I know what whether this is cancer or not? And he's like, I already know. And I was like, well, are you going to tell me? And he said, do you want me to be frank? And I said, 
yeah. And he said, well, what we're seeing can be nothing other than cancer. And then he says to me, and this is what not to say to your kids, <laughs> I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I'm going to die. And I was like, <laughs> well, actually, I wasn't thinking that, but now I am. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Whereas if he had said to me, you know, what we're seeing can be nothing other than cancer. Yeah. Do you have any questions? Right. Then I could have said, Am where I is it? <laughs> what is going, what yeah. do I have to have? Like, am I having surgery? Am I having chemo? Can you tell me things? Yeah. You know, and let me guide it rather than now I'm leaving this appointment and all I can think is I can see my daughter's tear-stained face at my funeral. Right. It didn't matter what he said after that, which was, we think this is really early stage and the chances of you dying are very small. Yeah. It didn't matter what he said. Yeah. Like, I was dying at that point, I thought. You know? So letting your kids guide it is is good. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be that radiologist, friends. That's horrible. (laughs) I'm sorry that that's your experience. Especially since like you're so young, you've got a young child. Like that's already scary enough. Good grief. Yeah. Some people need some people need a course on like empathy or I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you know, he'd never been in that position either. Yeah. Yeah. And he thought he was helping because he Mm -hmm. thought, of course, you hear cancer, everyone is gonna go there. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think knowing that we don't know everything is a good place to start. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like there are like some questions that our kids will come to and we're like, "Mm, no. I'm not going to answer this. I mean, my daughter asked me a lot of questions during my divorce about why her dad was acting the way that he was acting. Mm -hmm. And um, he was struggling a lot. He's a lot better now. But he had some mental health issues that were really a problem. And they were scary to my daughter. And so... There were some things that she would ask me and I would say, you know what, the why of that is something we can talk about when you're older. Yeah. But what's most important right now is that you feel safe. Yeah. And so if you don't feel safe, come to me, we will talk about what to do. Um, But I'm not going to talk about your dad's childhood experience that like led him to acting this way or, (laughs) you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think just trying your hardest to take a step back before answering questions is okay, too. Right, right. Because I mean, like, that's a really important, like, that pause, Mm -hmm. taking a step back. Because even, like, when my child, I, my firstborn and my secondborn are six years apart. So he was five when I found out I was pregnant. And I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm pregnant. You're having a sister or whatever. It's like, okay, but how did that baby get in your belly? And I'm like, <laughs> give me a sec. Let me go yeah. Google. Like, how do I tell a five-year-old this? Because right. I don't really want to have, like, the whole conversation yet. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't And know. that's okay. Like, you know, and just like, oh, hold on. Let me let me think yeah. about this for a sec. It, it is really yeah. okay to take that pause. It totally is. And just to say, you know what? I want to answer this question in the best way I possibly right. can. But like, and I need to come back to you with another answer. Like age appropriateness, you know? Mm-hmm. And I talk a lot on my platform about um, I'm estranged from my mother. Um, so I'm no contact with my mother. 
And I talk a lot about that on my platform and a lot of other people who are navigating estrangement. That's a difficult conversation. You know, how do I have these conversations with my kids come up a lot? And it's a very similar like kind of advice that I give is just that it's, you know, being age appropriate, keeping your emotions in check, you know, that it's Mm -hmm. not just maybe dumping all the nitty gritty, like, well, this is what happened. And this is why, you know, like, I don't feel that that's necessary to go into. And maybe that will evolve at some point as my children get older, you know, maybe when they're an adult, (laughs) maybe before that, I don't know. Um, Definitely not there with any of them. But, you know, like my younger ones, it's just that it's not a healthy relationship for mom to be in. Mm -hmm. And that's just period, you know, like, yes. And that's just it. You know, that's all it is. And that is all it is. There's a lot of reasons why it's not a healthy relationship. But that's all that your kids really need. Right. You know? um, I and think then, like, that's an important point. They feel actually safe when and, like happy in that, you know, or like exactly they feel satisfied that they got an answer. Yes. And I'm not burdening them with all my stuff. Yes. Or things that are not age appropriate. I think that that to me is the key because when people say what is age appropriate, I think that can be kind of a confusing thing. But your point of not getting into the nitty gritty details, that's what makes it age appropriate is not going into too much detail because your kids can't understand it. Right. And like they can start to tell stories to themselves based (laughs) on like little tiny tidbits that like, weren't even relevant yeah um so just to be as surface level as you can while still answering their question that right. is a great way of thinking about what age appropriate is yeah totally no right. nitty gritty no nitty gritty <laughs> i know yeah because there's a lot <laughs> oh so much especially you in know, a divorce right a divorce estrangement you know even mm-hmm. like a cancer diagnosis you know i'm sure mm-hmm. that there was a lot of details that maybe left out with your daughter of you know what some of the things were, what things looked like, you know, appointments or surgeries, you know, I don't know. But I think like all these hard life things that we go through, just keeping them in mind that we're keeping it just kind of neutral, surface neutral and just safe for them, you know, where Mm -hmm. they do feel safe and you're kind of preserving some of their innocence while being real and vulnerable with them and a safe place for them, I think is important. Sarah, will you tell us about some of your books that you've written? Like what topics do your books cover? Yeah. So the first one that I wrote was about cancer basically Mm -hmm. because I couldn't find anything that explained what cancer actually was. Yeah. And then my second book and third book were also about cancer because Um, I had some children's hospitals that were using my book, um, for adults and they asked for one for children, uh, with pediatric cancer Mm -hmm. and another one for siblings of pediatric cancer patients so that they would understand what was happening with their sibling. And the main thing that sets my books aside from other books is that they explain how whatever this thing that has happened affects the kid and their day-to-day life. Yeah. Because... There are a lot of books that are really um, sweet or cute and are like, 
you know, discussing death or whatever in a, in a way that's, you know, using analogies and mine are very concrete. They take abstract situations and make them concrete. So kids really actually understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, and then I have a book called nothing stays the same, but that's okay. Yeah. And that book is about all kinds of different changes, whether they're little changes, like, you know, okay, we're going from, from you know a school year to now we're in winter break that is a change that lots of kids don't cope with very well yeah um to bigger changes like we are moving to another state and you're not going to see your friends every day um Mm. and it talks about overwhelm and how sometimes we are trying to process basically what's going on around us all the time and we don't even realize that we're trying to process it And so then we just are exploding about other things that have nothing to do with what we were upset about. Um, And so the main character in my book is a girl named Mia and she is yelling at her cat because he can't hula hoop. And the cat is like, I think maybe this isn't about the hula hoop and also cats can't hula hoop. Um, So it kind of like takes it and makes it a little bit funny. Um, And then I have, as part of my company, Mighty and Bright, Mm -hmm. we've developed a kids' mental health skills program. And so part of that, uh, the goal of that program is basically introducing some of these concepts that parents and kids can learn about together um, so that we can develop these skills that we all need in order to cope on a daily basis with life. And so there's three books that are a part of that program. And uh, one of them is called Up and Down, Round and Round, A Day in the Life of Emotions. And that talks about introducing the concept of identifying and naming our emotions and figuring out where they live in our body. Uh, The second one is called The Bear is Not There. And that one is about the nervous system. And that literally explains our nervous system and how different coping skills literally change what's happening in our bodies because the why of these things makes it more likely that we will actually do them because a lot of these kids are learning you know deep breathing in school and I remember my daughter in like second grade came home and she's she's talking about how she was trying to they were trying to teach mindfulness in her classroom yeah and she was like the lady was so mean and I said, what was she doing that was so mean? And she was like, she gave us these marshmallows and she made us keep them in our mouths and feel all of the feelings. And I just wanted to eat the marshmallow. And it was awful. And I said, well, did she explain why why you were doing this? And she's like, no, it was just terrible. And it was the beginning of my realizing like, okay, the why? We need to explain why deep breathing changes what happens in our bodies and that sort of thing. (laughs) And then the third book is (laughs) don't believe everything you think. And that's about meltdowns and, you know, what we're actually, what's going on in our bodies when we just are overrun with emotions and it's like a runaway train Mm -hmm. and, you know, how we can kind of either continue to ride that runaway train and think that the entire day is terrible or we can try and take some more some of our power back and come up with another plan that maybe wasn't as good as what we were excited about and caused our meltdown because it didn't work out. Um, but it's better than sitting and being sad all day or 
that sort of thing. So all of it is about empowerment and giving your kids a sense of control and learning these skills that have been shown to really help prevent a mental health crisis in kids. Sarah, these all sound so valuable and so important. I'm like going to go grab your mental health books for my practice for sure. Thank you. Um, But yeah, just this whole conversation. Thank you so much for sitting with me and having it. Navigating difficult and hard conversations with our kids can feel overwhelming, but they do need us to show up for them. So thank you for providing so much insight and some tips. Um, Can you tell people where they can find you for more? Yes, absolutely. Um, You can find me. My website is Mm mightyandbright.com. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok at mightyandbrightco. Yeah, perfect. Sarah, thank you so much again for joining me and helping me support you, the mother. Thank you so much. Thanks.